enter if you dare this ghastly conversation of teens fraught with despair and recent lacerations. Final girl, chase after her, don't let her get away. But first, the slumber podcast massacre. Welcome to Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. That's Tim. That's Andy. This is a podcast about (laughs) horror. Every week, Tim and I get together. We talk about a different movie from the horror genre, from your well-known classic, down to that rare gem suffering from progressive entrapment Um. at the back of your video store shelf. (laughs) This week, Tim and I are communing with the dead from 1986. It's Witchboard. Tim, what is your Ouija experience? I'm sure you've got some crazy <clears throat> story where a picture fell off the wall. Hand to God. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna incriminate my sister. Um, she was at the uh, uh, an apartment complex that you yourself lived in, Mayfield. Yes, hell yeah. And uh, she was there. It was uh, she was in college at the time, and uh, lived with a couple roommates and. They were playing with the Ouija board, and um, we had played with one when we were kids, and I remember my sister and I, both of us, were always really into, and I've talked about this on the show before, there was a section of our public library that had like the ESP books, and I don't know what made us so interested in that other than like I was obviously watching a ton of horror all the time, and it was sort of a time where crazy concepts could have a longer lifetime because people weren't debunking them left and right. Like you could write a book on ESP and somebody was just going to believe it because there was nobody online to be like, this is bullshit. Let me tell you why. So we, we kind of bought into that and, and maybe it was because we wanted to believe it. I actually, to tell you the honest truth, I think it, it ties in and we'll talk about the American spiritualism movement of the mid to late 1800s. But I think it ties in with kids that were raised in religious families. So when you're raised in a religious family, you're given to believe that there are things like turning water into wine and walking on water and, and this these sort of fantastical things that are possible or yeah. at least written about a definite part of human history. Yes. Yeah, science, yeah. scientific. Yeah. yeah. Right. And um, so <clears throat> we were raised to, to believe that. And if you think about it, and I'm not going to go off on a tangent here about religion, but when a young you, kid, listening to a lot of Dennis Miller, this is the second week in a row. I have distinctly heard you say, I don't want to get off on a rant here. But... <laughs> right. <laughs> Some ninja drifter, uh, but uh, <laughs> some. He's Nebuchadnezzar's wife. <laughs> the thing was, yeah, he knew when he had a zinger because he just let it hang out oh, there. Yeah. Like he was great. Um, so yeah, is anybody watching Grandpa? Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go. I literally remember speaking of libraries, checking out on cassette tape the Dennis Miller rants. Oh, not yeah. Nice. Um, but yeah, so when you're a kid and you're even taking communion, you're, you're told that you're drinking Christ's blood and that his body, like the bread that you're eating is his body. Um, so you're already set up for like things being a little off kilter. Yeah. So we played around with Ouija boards. I, I want to say that our family owned one, um, 
if we didn't, it was borrowed or whatever. Or somebody would bring it over for a sleepover. But we had played around with it. Well, now my sister is in college and she's with her friends and they're in this this apartment and they're playing with the Ouija board and things get so intense that and I and and I'm sure she could comment on exactly what happened word for word scientifically. But um, apparently there was this picture that I believe. Oh, wait, am I right about a picture? Yes. Oh, God, yes. Of course. I believe it was a picture that we had had since we were kids in our house. And do you remember in the 70s and 80s, like sometimes like kids art was just creepy and weird. (laughs) Like there might be like this like clown, like playing a saxophone and bubbles are coming out of it that are different colors. Or there's some like girl laying in a field, like turned around and looking up at this farmhouse and it's just (laughs) eerie and creepy. And so we had one of those weird, I think she had one of our family paintings or whatever from, from when we were kids hanging up in, in her apartment. And the Ouija board told her that the painting was, was evil or Uh possessed or something like that to the point where she literally ripped it off the wall, went outside and threw it in the dumpster. The painting because they the Ouija board told them that it was evil. And when you're looking at some of this evil 70s art, right. like, that's oh, an easy thing to swallow. Right. Exactly. I did see it before. But now that the board is telling me. Um, so, yeah, that that was that was the motivation. And, you know, as far as like specifically Ouija stuff, um, I've talked before about other things that we would do, like the light as a feather thing with the two fingers yeah. or some of that. Um, you know, uh, the stuff that we would do, the suggestion stuff that we would do in the mirror. And I think at that time, um, we believed it because we, we wanted to believe it and that it was, uh, exciting and that maybe, maybe people were naive enough to, to go for it. You know, to to say that something crazy is happening, we're at a party, we're at a sleepover, the the vibe is electric. <laughs> sure. And so we're going to go in, all in on this stuff. Yeah. And um, now the question that I always had was, because when I have played with a Ouija board, I have been militant about, I'm not moving anything. Uh-huh. I'm not doing this, we're moving around, we're doing a figure eight, we're doing all that. I'm like, if this is going to work, it's going to work. Yeah. But what I never knew was... Is somebody else the other person fucking with it? it. Yeah. Right. And and so <laughs> That's why it takes two people. And right. And I'm here to tell you, as much as I would love to believe in the power of a Ouija board, I think that if somebody really isn't aiming for something, I don't think a whole hell of a lot happens. Right. Um, there's obviously like tremors in your hands or your extremities or whatever, but I mean nothing is gliding over to anything. Now, somebody could sit there and say, it's not about the planchette moving itself. It's about maybe sort of giving into what feels like a subconscious movement. Right. And that wherever we're that's feeling. The work around. Yeah. So that's it's it's wherever our collective subconscious guides us, even if we are adding some pressure, that it's still tapping into our subconscious. Right. Um, so 
you know, uh, we'll go in later into the to, into the history of Ouija boards, uh-huh. um, and that kind of takes a little bit of the piss out of it. <laughs> I mean, when you when you know the, well, the no, angle. are you going to let me down, Tim? Are these I'm, I'm actually going to I'm going to build you up. Is what I'm going to do. You're going to love this. Um, I but, do think they are a fascinating kind of. I, I mean, stemming from the assumption that they are not real. Right, they don't work. Sure, they do not commune with the dead. They are kind of a fascinating study in how groups interact with each other. And can I secretly, you know, who's gonna who's gonna say that I'm the one manipulating the planchette? Yeah, you know, prove it. Like I'm not. I'm doing what you're doing. Yeah, I'm not moving it at all. It's just moving. And and maybe there's a more honest way to do it. If you look at Latino cultures, like. Because the big question here is not who's moving the planchette. It's not does the Ouija board work. Those aren't the questions. The question is, why are we so driven to do this? What is the motivation here? And why do why do we all want it so bad? At least in the Latino culture, when they're talking about the day in the dead of the day of the dead, uh, Dia de los Muertos. Um, at least they're acknowledging exactly what it is, and they're coming right out and saying, we miss our dead family members. Right. We're going to leave these flowers out that have a pungent smell to attract them, their spirits back to us. We're going to leave out, you know, plates of food. We're going to dress in, you know, what would be considered like macabre makeup or yeah. whatever. And we're going to, at least they're they're not like... How do I say they're not like trying to wait for some mystical force to make it happen. Right. They're just saying, like, we miss our our family. We miss our friends. Helps me remember them. We're going to do something that feels like we're or ghosts, though, just standing there with a full plate of food. Like, what what am I supposed to do with this? (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's. At that point, yeah, it's like, and and they know that you know there are no Caucasians there that immediately eat the uh, tamale without unwrapping the the skin <laughs> right. off of it. I mean, everybody knows what to do. Um, which, yeah, I, I've, I'm sorry, I've been guilty of that. Um, you? you can eat it. I mean, yeah. you can. You don't want to. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> but no, I think that I think that if nothing else, if you think that Ouija boards are garbage, and that's Okay, because you you're certainly not alone. I you can't deny that, like I was saying earlier, that people have an interest in that, and what drives that interest? What is it for 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 an existing conscious world to offer as much possibility as it does to us as humans, and all of the things that we're capable of? Why do we need something more? Yeah. Why do we need something deeper? Why do we need to understand something unless it's just a fear? Well, yeah, that's just being human. Like we'll never stop trying to figure things out. Like that's kind of our that's kind of our niche thing is like figuring things out and you know <laughs> finding causes and 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 results and things like that. So okay. yeah, it listen, yeah, if a Ouija board ever did work like that, people would be very interested. Like you would not get this blase like uh, people in the science fields, they don't start from it's not possible. Sure. They start from anything's possible. Let's find out. Let's test. Let's see how to get, you know, if I do this, what are my results? That's fucking all science is, right? Sure. So, you know, until someone is like, 
you know, of course, all every instance you've ever heard of someone talking uh, through a Ouija board happens in a very secluded environment, very few people. So, you know, and it's only two people really controlling the thing. And it's really only one if it's moving. Because you, you, if you sat there with two honest people, the thing wouldn't fucking move. It wouldn't move. So let me come at you with two things. Number one, this is a little bit outside of the Ouija because it has a, a real specific mechanism. What would you say if I asked you that if somebody in science, in, in, in medical science or uh, any sort of uh, mechanical science or sciences, we know it. If, if part of your exploration team, if part of your research team didn't have an interest in it, and didn't think that there was anything to be gained from it. How successful would their research be? Uh, if that I, they don't, uh, no one approaches it that way. No one approaches a science experiment to be like, what can I gain out of this? Right. Okay. Because it's all about just discovery. It's like, I have an idea, you know, I think if I do this, I think this will happen. Okay. Let so, me try that. If it happens, you write a paper about it, and then other people go, I'm going to try what you did. If I can do what you did, then then you start building things. Like, I did the same things you did, and I got the same results. Right. So what you're saying so what I you're... say, this Ouija board works, someone else will go try it and go, not working for me. So what you're saying is, though, is that the, the, the impetus of even though if you don't know if the thing that you're researching or testing or whatever is going to work. Yeah. That you wouldn't even engage in that experiment if there wasn't at least an interest in what might happen, even if nothing happens. Uh, say that again. <laughs> okay, so you're on a research team, right? Are you even going to be a part of that research team, knowing what the objective is? If you think that you you have an interest in finding out what the outcome is, yeah. it may be nothing. It may be something. But you're not going to even engage in that scientific process if you're not at least interested in the possibility of what might happen. Well, no, you would. Sure. And if it's not happening, you don't keep pursuing it. If it's sure. Like, if you're like, I'm on a research team and we're investigating this Ouija board. Right. You know, you can't keep it's it's wrong to then keep trying to test in order to achieve a specific goal. You just write down the results are of what your test was. That's it. So could you say then that if somebody that was not a believer in the occult uh -huh. and was approaching it from that disbelief, yeah. that that person might, as a result of their disbelief, never achieve what might be possible from somebody who opens their mind to those possibilities. Unless it's something like Santa Claus, where it only works if you believe in it, which there is literally nothing in the world that works that way, uh, then maybe. But isn't there that one thing? Now, we have some friends that are very well-versed in science that listen to the show. There, there's something about, there was a study, and, and it, it kind of goes to... Uh, Schrodinger's cat. Yeah. There was a study where, if I'm not mistaken, somebody can correct me on this or slam me for my my disinformation. But there was something where there was a test of subatomic particles 
that were being fired or aimed at something that would register their existence and that their existence was registered when it was looked upon, when it was observed. Uh But if the same mechanism happened and nobody looked at it, that it didn't like with their eyes. I think so. I think so. I, mean, I should do you be you would be look they're too small to look at with your eyes, right? You would have to be using some sort of sensor right, to detect yes. if yeah. they were there. But apparently the sensor <laughs> so if you turn the sensor off, I could see why they did not detect them. I had I had heard that it was a scenario where there was a sensor and uh-huh. subatomic particles and that while not observed through whatever mechanism could allow you to see them, uh-huh. I guess. That if you weren't looking, it didn't register. But if you looked, it registered. I, I'm really suspicious of that. Okay, okay. You can't I, see subatomic particles. That's the thing. Like we only see them through. Again, and I should really preface: not a scholar in subatomic <laughs> science. You're pretty smart. You're pretty smart. Thank you. I mean, yeah, I've got like a, a rudimentary grasp on. I don't really think we can see. Like light particles. Okay. You see a lot of light particles. I can't just see an electron. Okay. Know? Okay. Okay. I'll do – yeah, we'll do some more research into that. Yeah. But I guess what I'm Not saying really, is yeah. is that there are going to be some people on like a more larger scale that are going to say like – If you go into it not believing, then you're not going to be visited by the presence or the energy that would be conveying itself to you if you were open to it. Uh Um, Almost as if, like, let's say you were talking to a kid, right? And if you're not like, hey, kid, like, hey, like, I'm fun, like, I'm raising my voice and I'm talking in sweet ways and I'm making big gestures and now you're looking at me. If I don't do that, then the kid is going to be unresponsive and he's going to be like, I don't like that guy. He's just (laughs) sort of cold and weird. So somebody might apply that same concept to the spirit world. Now, I will say this. I have in in concise answer to your question. I have not contacted any spirits from another world through a Ouija board. Uh I have, in fact, in in. My fact. Yes, thank you. <laughs> been very much contacted by somebody who's no longer here. And it was, and what, and I would have, I wouldn't mention it if I hadn't heard somebody else mention the same exact sensation that I felt, which was a very specific sensation. Uh-huh. It was a weight pressing down on what was like the front of, I hope I'm freaking somebody out right now and that somebody else has experienced this. When I felt like that person's presence was here, it was a weight, not on my forehead, but just on the, but between the forehead and the top of your head. And it, it felt like it was like a pressing down presence and that that person was absolutely, absolutely there. Now that could, you could cite By just a feeling you got, you could, yeah, you could cite okay. grief, but it was when I heard somebody else. Now, when that other person was talking about, they were, they were talking about their cat, but 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 even okay. still, but even still, uh, uh, something they were close to. Yeah. But for me, it was a, not a cat. It was a human. And I, I, I had I felt it when it was happening. And it was a handful of months later that I heard somebody else describing being visited by something that was no longer on our physical plane. And they were describing that exact, very specific feeling. Uh-huh. And I believed in it already. But when I heard that, it made me feel like, yeah, he was he was there. Yeah. 
So do you think that was just like two very specific random events or does that happen a lot and just people don't talk about it? Like no one, because I feel like through the course of human history, if that is a thing that ghosts do, put pressure on the top of your head in order to signify that they are around you, either no one is really getting visited by ghosts and only you and this other person who are in very close proximity to each other experience this, or it was just something that you wanted to attribute to that sure and you were like hmm sounds similar it's not the same but i will at least take the parts that help out my story and apply it to that and say yes that i also was visited by someone it's a good question because we we were quick to accept the fact that people will say that there is like this sudden influx of uh of mental illness when what we actually know is that our society is more willing to accept that now. Yeah. So that maybe there's something to do with a broader acceptance. It, it like a lesser acceptance doesn't mean that it didn't happen or what wasn't occurring, but a wider acceptance means that we're acknowledging what we felt. It's just not something that people are going to talk about a lot because somebody might think that they're crazy. Right. <laughs> but, but, um, as far as a Ouija board goes, I, and, and don't get me wrong. My God, I have wanted it. I have Listen, wanted it. Me too. I remember the first, you know, hearing about them and being like, wow, that's okay. Interesting. Uh, and then I saw like how it worked and I was like, damn it. Now <laughs> I do thing. Yeah. It's made by Parker brothers. And the thing is, yeah, like here's here's one thing where I'll meet you here. I'll meet you in the middle. To think that there is one specific device that any spectral force is going to be like that. I only talk through that. Right. Is a little silly. For people to experience things in, in different ways, um, uh, different um uh, whether it's a, it's a different creature, whether it's it's dreams, whether it's something individual to them that I have an easier time believing. And I think you would even agree to that, even though I know you're a skeptic when it comes to this stuff. But you would at least agree that there is a better chance of if any of that was ever possible, that it was probably not going to come through a mass manufactured board game. Right. Okay, and we will meet in the middle there. And also, think of the, you know, how many years. This is the only way the dead can communicate with us. The thousands of years where we went through, like, 99% of the population being illiterate. Right. How are you supposed to to use a fucking Ouija board? Let me ask you one more question, though. To the best of my understanding— the guy that invented or invented discovered the, discovered DNA. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Ouija board. Yeah, the guy that joke, but yeah, okay. The still. guy that discovered DNA yeah. discovered it through, as he attributed attributes it uh, through LSD. Yeah. So what he's saying is those thoughts came to him through an altering of his perception, still physical perception, yeah. right? But it came to him th- only through that. So isn't it possible that there are frequencies that our brain does not register energy 
through a conventional use of our brains or whatever functioning part of our brains gets us through our, our everyday. Yeah. Is it possible that there is another, if we're going to talk about time travel, if we're going to talk about alternate dimensions, is it possible that there is another frequency of energy that we are not tapped into with our present use of the portions of our brain that are activated? I mean, I have to say it's possible, but probable. No. Okay. No. Like that's not you don't take LSD and it's the only way we can really effectively like uh, try and describe it. Like, oh, I'm seeing things on a different wavelength. Your vision is kind of fucked up. So, you know, it's hard to process. You're seeing things differently. But it's only because the chemicals you've ingested are now, you know, taking certain parts of your brain and they're working in overdrive where they normally don't. Okay. So, So you're able to keep those things tamped down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you know, it's like it's like being drunk. It's just it's just a, a chemical effect on your body. Okay. Oh, well, that's fair. But we don't have you know. It's hard to describe to someone who hasn't experienced you know because you can't go. I don't know specifically what happens, but you know, you can't be like, oh man, it's crazy. You know, your melatonin levels peak and blah blah blah. If you just said that to someone, they'd be like, oh, okay, I don't know what that means. But if you're like. I was I was on a different plane seeing colors I've never experienced before. Then people are like, "Oh, I've got an imagination. I I can envision that. I see, you know, what you're saying." Can you imagine being that first guy on that famous bike ride? Which bike ride? It was the scientist that discovered Ella, the 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 psychoactive aspects of LSD. He was just fucking around in the library uh-huh. and it so- came in contact with some and then he rode his bike home oh, and tripped his fucking balls off. <laughs> the first guy to trip nuts while he's just like, I'm just trying to ride my fucking bike right. here and the world is melting. What's happening to me? <laughs> what an, or maybe because think about it. We're thinking about it as as something like crazy that's happening to him. Whereas he's probably like, this day is so weird. Like the weirdest. I had the strangest day today. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because we can already attribute those qualities. Like we understand them. But if you didn't understand them, you'd just be like, what? We're weird. Yeah. Well, that's going to point us towards what we're going to talk about with the spiritualism. Okay. Yes. We will talk about this and I will talk about all the fun stuff. You know what? I think people are going to be really interested in this. And I think we're going to get my mom to watch the rehearsal. She was very confused. All right. I'm not bringing up Nathan. Okay. That was a joke. Uh, (laughs) All right. Let's do this. It's a witch board from 1986. Um, it was written and directed by Kevin Tenney. It stars Todd Allen, Tawny Katane, Stephen Nichols. Financials, a budget of $2 million box office, like 4.7. Boom. I guess it's a hit. Let's do Nan Sum, and then we can get into some spoilers. Uh, one night while at a party, Brandon Sinclair shows his Ouija board to ex-girlfriend Linda. They begin to commune with a spirit named David, a 10-year-old boy who is dead. <laughs> Great sentence. Linda's boyfriend, Jim, makes fun of David, who, which apparently angers the spirit, resulting in a slash tire on Brandon's car. Brandon forgets the board at Linda's, and she begins talking to David on her own through the board. Brandon begins to suspect that Linda may be in danger of possession due to her continued connection with the boy, not to mention the string of deadly accidents surrounding Jim. Upon further discovery, it turns out Linda is not talking to a 10-year-old boy, but an old man named Malf- Malfader? 
Yeah. Yeah. Fuck the fucking names in this movie. Malfetores, yeah. Uh, a serial killer who is trying to return from the other side. Now Jim must stop Malfater before he takes control of Linda and she becomes a victim of the haunted Ouija board that is never called a witch board. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank God it wasn't called a charcuterie board. Am I saying that right? Yeah, charcuterie. Fuck that board. And I'll tell you what, it came out what? of nowhere. Look, it came out of nowhere. Wait, and all are of a sudden, related? well, they're no, but I'm just, I'm just going to get this out. This is personal. No, that's the, <laughs> that's the problem. I love meat and cheese, but it's like six years ago. All of a sudden you hear people like, oh, we went to this nice place. They had a charcuterie board and it was, you know, and, and all of a sudden it just came out of nowhere. And I'm looking at these restaurants like, what a, you're a fucking genius. Yeah, it's like, like oh, super easy app. You can yeah. totally overprice it. It's yeah. all about how you, you oh, decorate you, Oh, you figured out that meat and cheese is popular? Yeah. You're so fucking novel. Like, look at you. <laughs> and you put it on like a one by eight. <laughs> right. You fuck. And he, look, part of the problem also, is. Also, big roll of the dice. Put a little piece of chocolate on there. <laughs> Who's going to like that? <laughs> These fucking scholars. <laughs> Figured out that people like meat and cheese that's readily available. Good for you, you cock fuck. Look, part of my problem is that for the longest time, I had a lot of insecurity because I could not figure out how to pronounce it. And I couldn't remember (laughs) people were saying it. And more and more people that I feel are less into language were getting it. And I couldn't. It was a very slippery word for me. I don't even think I'm saying it right still. What is it? Oh, it's it's charcuterie. Okay, see, because I was saying charcuterie. Okay, listen, it's a foreign word. You can say however you want. I'll tell you what, I do like meat and cheese. Is it? I think so. Okay, sounds French. I mean, it looks like a French thing. It does. And I like it. I when people put it out, I don't want to look. I don't want to throw shade. I actually just had one for lunch the other day. I'm going to say I went to the old world market in town and got a tiny. Charcuterie board. Was it Which enough? It wasn't on a board. It was just in a box. Oh, but it was Jesus. still like decorated and it had some little little gherkins in it and some raspberries. And some laziness. Yeah. Well, you know, I had to take it to go. Yeah. Now I have got ones from there. You've seen them. Oh yeah. And the big had one. A party. Yeah, oh, the big, the big one. one. They're fantastic. Okay, now that was impressive. Yeah. That was. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can pack those things. Yeah, some of those almonds, like like those blanched almonds with the honey on it. But how did none of us figure that out before, like six years ago? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there were there were people who were into it, I suppose. Doctor Brian, he's been making charcuterie boards at his house for years. (laughs) I don't doubt that he has a cheesemonger near him that we went to. I had a I had a cheese that had been aged. In a rotting piece of bark. It was amazing. Really? Yeah, it was really good. You know, it's like I can get from Indiana. I get the first guy who had it aging in bark. And then the second guy being like, you know what this needs? Rot. Sorry, is that fresh bark? You (laughs) fucking hack. Yeah. You fucking peasant. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I. uh, is that out in California, the uh, the rotting bark? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll maybe it that. wasn't rotting. I yeah. Don't I know it was. Yeah, it was like mossy bark. 
Yeah. Was yeah. it was it a Redwood? I'm sure I'll get an email about was it. Was it a Redwood? <laughs> I don't either. Call me when it is. <laughs> Wishbard. Wishbard. This one. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> this movie. Listen, this movie. <laughs> it was everything I expected. Um, I fell asleep immediately when I started watching it. So, and then I kept waking up intermittently. So it was like I pretty much knew what was going on, but I was like, I I have to go back and watch it again. So I like watched it one and a half times. Um, it's free on Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah. that helps. Yeah, this you can. Yeah, this one is not a hard one to grab, and it was uh fine. You know, um, I didn't really have a lot of issues with it being a Ouija board. I don't care about yeah Ouija. You know, and I knew I knew going into this that you that you might hate it. And and I but I wanted to push it because it was a movie that when it came out and and I'll be honest, normally my my memory serves me a little bit better. I know that we watched it a lot. And by we, I mean, like, you know, my sister, my my friends, you know, neighborhood friends or whatever. So it was either on HBO a lot or we taped it like one time that it was on HBO or we just um, rented a lot. And here's the funny thing. This is kind of like a weird, like collective subconscious thing. There were certain movies and we talked about this a little bit with Lost Boys. There were certain movies that like your parents just didn't have a problem with. Like they might have been rated R and horror and have nudity. But for whatever reason, all the parents of the world got together one day and were like, which board is fine. Yeah. You know, well, it's like, mom, can I watch this movie about a man who kills you in your sleep? And a parent would go, no. How about this? It's a haunted uh, Parker's brother board game? And they'd be like, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. No mom, problem. Mom, have you ever seen that uh, Zoltar future teller guy? <laughs> what if he was really pissed? <laughs> like, is that all right? Um, so, no, it was a movie that, for whatever reason, um, and maybe somebody can shed some light, but it was readily available. We watched it a lot. And... I think that um, what I want to say about this, and this is an interesting topic. I think you'll enjoy this because it talks about quality. I think there was a wasn't what was the whole book that was written about the concept of quality? It was like uh, the Zen of motorcycle oh, motorcycle maintenance. Yeah. Okay. Oh, is that what that's about? I think it's about yeah. At least a portion of it is about the question of what is quality, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm not going to go off on a huge tangent because it's boring. But let me just say this real quick. While it's not an excuse to say that we were a stepping stone to better things, right? If you're going to make a piece of art, I don't care if you have a limited budget, you should try your hardest and make the best thing that you can make. Yeah. But I do think that there is something to be said for if you make a movie that isn't perfect, but kids in fucking Northwest Indiana are super into it, then there's maybe it leads to something else. Let me give you an example. I'm I'm completely making this example up. (laughs) Let's say there's a guy that watches American Ninja two, which is a a very fun movie. Yeah. It's an awful movie, but it's very fun. Maybe that person watches that they're excited about martial arts. They're excited about action. And then they grow up and they make John wick. Everything I just said is a lie, but what I'm saying is doesn't that, does that validate 
something that maybe isn't perfect, but is somehow charming enough to where you like it and it it gets you interested in whatever this thing is. Uh, yeah, sure. There's okay. nothing wrong with that. Right. So which board is not perfect by any means, but it does have its charms and it does have its a couple of of elements to it that are very unique. One being the what I'm going to coin the the uh, the term right now, brokemance. The broke. bromance that is broken, oh, but to be repaired. Okay. The brokemance. Yeah. And um and that very much is a part of this to the point that it almost gets it 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 just edges on homoeroticism, but it is endearing. Yeah. And it's not like it invented the wheel. There are things called buddy pictures. Like it's a whole subgenre. Sure. But it's not necessarily in horror. Horror really, really. Buddy pictures has their own. You've got buddy cop movies, buddy road movies. Tango and Cash. Buddy cop movie. Right. But they're like enemy cop movie at the beginning. Right. And buddy cop movie. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) So they are their own versions of the broke man. Sure. Okay. Right. Like, oh, I'm partnered with this guy now after my partner got killed. And now I'm with this like upstart, you know, this like. Loose cannon ne'er do well, um, <laughs> right? You know, enter like twenty five movies. Um, but this broke mance has two guys that are certainly at odds with each other, and um, it's it's a funny sort of thing to enter into a a horror movie where we have an established relationship with a woman who is played by. Let's go ahead and get this out of the way. Tawny Katane. Tawny Katane. Who what was your first experience with Tawny Katane? I I wrote like everyone's I I, video. I I used a hashtag that was hashtag life skills and it was in reference to her doing the splits on a hood of a car. Yeah. And it was the White Snake video. Yeah. Um she has dated a great. Is that is is this love? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She did several. And yeah, she's got that sort of white like nightgown thing yeah. on that sheer nightgown, and she's literally doing not the. Uh, I believe it's the American splits. Oh. Um. Yeah. Versus the Chinese splits. Uh huh. Um. But uh. Or or vice versa. So ro- your rotated hips. Yeah. It's either yeah. like legs f- straight out and back or legs side to side. side. Gotcha. But either way, she's doing them on a hood of a car, which is not easy. No. And she is really something. She's uh, Russian Jew and Irish. She has more hair than any human has ever had on this planet. And she named herself Tawny at the age of 12. Um, A smart move. (laughs) Absolutely. Because while beautiful, I don't really find anything. uh, I mean, I guess maybe a little of her face, but there's there's nothing where you're just like, no one else looks like that. Yeah, good point. that name, Tawny Katane. Yeah. It just pops. Right. It goes hand in hand with like winning, like throwing darts at a balloon and like getting a mirror of a Lamborghini, like at the, at the fair, like it, it has that eighties energy to yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and she was at the time, and this is what's funny. Generational beauty. Yeah. At the time she was untouchable. Oh, that's well, that's true. Smoking. Um, and you know, and I'm going to say in this movie, n- no actor in this movie, including Tawny is 
given a the gift of the written word. Um, <laughs> as far as far as like anything that's going to win an Oscar, but she does do some interesting things, and she actually, literally, as the movie goes on, only gets better to the point where in her final scene, she's actually great. Yeah, she is um, awesome. She's excellent. Um, but she is a great attraction, and that's why she was cast. When she came into uh, to the office to be cast, uh, to, the, to the casting call, the casting director and the director of the film just said, let's just see which woman is like garners the most attention of the guys that are here. Yeah. And it was clearly her. So they cast her. Um, She was dating OJ Simpson at the time. Oh man. Yeah. While he was still with Nicole. Yeah. In what I can only assume was happier times. Um, But, uh, (laughs) but anyhow, they were together and a lot of pranks on the set, a lot of like, dumping of uh you know tipping over of porta potties lots of locking you know doors shut so that people couldn't get out and get to their scene it was a fun movie and it was made by kevin uh what is it uh tenny yeah tenny kevin s tenny um and uh <laughs> he had written this script when he was at usc he was really close to graduating and um i think he was affected by the exorcist and the idea of possession. Um, and he thought that the Ouija board would be kind of a neat way to yep. go about that. So I so, agree. Yeah, who had done it before? Exactly. Which board? Yeah. So he came up with the script and he has a buddy that dropped out of school and went to go work at a commodities firm. And the owner of the commodities firm was bored with commodities, which I don't know how that happens, but yeah. um, anyhow, <laughs> He's got a lot of money and they pitched the script to him and he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll pay for it. So Kevin Tenney drops out of USC with four credits shy of his, of his graduation uh, to make this movie. And I don't know if he had ever even, I mean, I'm sure maybe he took some USC like filmmaking classes. I'm sure. But, um, but I mean, still like a kid that hadn't even graduated drops out to make this movie. And, the thing is, we we are met with this Ouija board. Now, there are some differing accounts here, but from what we understand, Parker Brothers stepped in at some point uh-huh. and said, uh, go ahead, but don't use our board and don't like title it Ouija, which it had been titled. Okay. And Do they have a trademark on Ouija? I believe they did. And- in the beginning of the movie, the first Ouija. So is that not a, like a real, like a real word? Well, that's a great question. Some people will tell you. Wouldn't that just be like, I've trademarked the word tissues. Right. So, okay. Let's talk about that. Some people might say that Ouija, which if, if anybody here is. Uh, it sounds like it's a combination of two words. Is it? Some people will tell you that it is. <laughs> I, they will tell you that it's a combination of yes, yes in French and German. Right. But other people will tell you that there was a a medium uh, by the name of, I've got it right here, Helen Peters. 
Helen Peters was a sister-in-law to one of the people that invented what we see as the modern Ouija board. Okay. And she was a medium and they said, okay, here's the board. Here's the planchette. What do we call this thing? And it, she spelled out Ouija. <laughs> and then they said to her, what does that mean? And I then, don't know. I didn't come up with it. And then the board spelled out good luck, <laughs> which I don't know if that's being shitty, like good luck right. <laughs> or good luck or whatever. Now, some people will say that that because she was a fan of the English author, we duh, and had been reading her, that that kind of was a, a subconscious like projection for yeah. her to spell out we duh. But um, yeah, where this whole thing comes from, let, let's go ahead and get into that. We might as well get this boring shit out of the way. It's not boring. It's interesting, but we'll, <laughs> we'll get through it because there's a lot to talk about with this movie. So in the movie... Kevin S. Tenney was really, really interested in trying to push a lot of quote unquote fact that he really didn't want it to just be like he talked a lot to a lot of people about what was your experience as a kid with a Ouija board and what have you experienced in talking with the dead? And he gathered all that information, but he really wanted to root it in in as much fact as he could. So you have things in the movie like them uh, saying that it started back in 1540. I'm sorry, 540 BC. So what the 540 BC, and this just shows how fucking good we are. (laughs) There are other movie reviewers that have heard that and have been like, oh, he was just full of shit. Like he was just pulling stuff out of his ass. Well, he wasn't. 540 is in reference to Pythagoras. Okay. And Pythagoras, there is some talk about Pythagoras using a quote unquote talking board, not the Ouija board that we're familiar with, but another sort of board to communicate with spirits. That would have been Pythagoras, right? And then uh, maybe 20 years after that, you've got the Chinese using some of uh, some different other things that were also an attempt to communicate with, with the dead. So that's why he threw that in there. That's not just a random number that he came up with. Yeah. It's not to say that it happened, but it's that's where he was building off of. Where this really, really came from was a movement of American spiritualism that took place in the mid to late 1800s. Uh-huh. The reason why you have a movement of American spiritualism at that time is because the country was changing rapidly. Yeah, You had two previous you know, centuries, I guess, of very, very strict religious Christianity. But now you had the emergence of urban communities. You had an influx of immigrants bringing in different religious concepts. You had um, people, you had science figuring out medical facts that disputed religious beliefs that were prior to that. So you had a fertile ground of people being like, okay, I'm not going to be female, you know, circumcised and burned. (laughs) If I start talking about different things. Right. Also you have post civil war, you have children dying and you have these people who, because they felt the freedom of this new influx of ideas because of these urban communities, because of these new discussions and new revelations, 
being willing to say like my kid died and they were eight years old and my pastor telling me that it was God's plan isn't enough for me. Yeah. I need, I need something else. So it was out of that sort of grief and that sort of need to communicate with the dead that this American spiritualism, you know, rose to, to prominence and, and it became not only prominent, but it be, or, or like a, what I want to say allowed, but it became popular because it's fun. Right. It's a seance, you know, and you're communicating with the dead. So a lot of people are like, this is great. Like, I'd love to talk to my dead kid yeah. or my dead uncle or dad or whatever it may be. So it, it rises to this extreme prominence. And then people who are opportunistic say, I think there's some money to be made oh, here. Oh, yeah. Enter in a cabinet maker. <laughs> This is so people are just on the gripping, like the edge of their seat, like white knuckled right now from the second I said cabinet maker. Uh, I didn't even bother to write down his name, but a cabinet maker thinks that he came up with the idea for the modern Ouija board. But what popular opinion is, is that it was Charles Kennard who either stole it from him or came up with it himself. Charles contends that he was sitting at his kitchen table. He had a, a teacup that was turned over and he was sort of touching it and moving around. And he's like, maybe this is the way to a subconscious. Like I'm not trying to say anything. I'm not trying to formulate something in my mind. I'm just letting my hands guide where this cup goes. Yeah. So that's where he said he came up with it. Now, later on, it becomes adopted by a guy with the last name of Fold, F-U-L-D. And then Fold has it, and he has great success with it. These are the Ouija boards that if you go online, yeah. and if you get an original Fold board, you're going to pay any uh, maybe 1200 bucks. Oh, geez. Right? S maybe between six and 1200 and he sold the Parker Brothers in 1966. Now, in 1966, when he sold it, Ouija boards actually in that year outsold Monopoly. Really? It was that popular. Wow. Because what do we have here? What do we we have a we have a, a free just guide to the spirit world that we don't have to feel bad about, right? Because it says Parker Brothers. Well, like 1966. A lot of weed and LSD going on. <laughs> right. I We've mean, been waiting great, for this. Yeah, it's actually a great little party thing. You get everyone. Nice little thing to like crush up your weed on. Out of their mind. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, I can true. roll some joints on a Ouija board. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, get everyone's space out of their mind and then. Oh, and then talk man. with the dead. So here's the thing. I'm done with all of the history stuff. That's the boring stuff. Now we can talk about the hair in this movie. <laughs> um. This movie was made in the 1980s. Yeah. Holy God, was it ever. There's some synth in this film. <laughs> yeah, but the synth is kind of cool. Yeah, I did actually like the synth. The synth is kind of cool. Here's what I am aiming toward right now, because I am ready to just blast into this movie. And you warned me ahead of time with your thoughts into the future. But I need to find a topic for you to talk about while I go to the bathroom I really quick. It. I told you. To <laughs> yeah, you did. Beforehand. You did. I'll talk about the opening of this movie. Okay, because, boom. Yeah. I mean, because I went into this movie pretty much expecting what it was. I don't think I'd really seen it. I knew like the very end of it, and I had definitely seen that. But as far as seeing the movie, I don't remember it. But so the movie opens. We're at this party, 
and uh, the 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 guy there's like a blonde guy, Brandon, he who was I believe on Days of Our Lives with an eye patch. He played a guy named Patch, very creative. But he's having a discussion with a guy, uh, just like some nerd with gargantuan glasses, like nice mid eighties turtle shell half your face glasses. And the guy with the glasses is like, you know, oh, I can't believe you don't believe in God. And, you know, Brandon's like, well, there's just no evidence of it, you know. And, oh, you know, how how could uh, humans even be intelligent without some sort of creator, you know. But but the, the, guy, uh, the guy definitely is not into God. He's just like, this is dumb. Why are we even talking about it? And then two minutes later is like, by the way. Let me introduce introduce you to this ghost I've been talking to through this board. <laughs> like what? How? Why would that guy? Why? And why would he be so easy to then dismiss any other form of spirituality? Like if you do legit have conversations with, because it's not like I only talked to this one ghost. Like he's used a lot of different boards because apparently, you know, as the rules of the spirit world dictate just, you know, one spirit per board, God damn it. Or, or one is magnified through a board, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's, uh, he's had several, several experiences where he has talked to ghosts, but is like, but God's a fucking dumb idea. Get out of here with that. And by the way, Brandon, who's had all these conversations, we'd all feel a lot more comfortable if it wasn't a 10 year old boy that you kept talking to. <laughs> That's the other thing. Yeah. Like I love it. Just talk to kids all day long. Yeah, right. So we, yeah, we have this setup of Jim and Brandon and this bromance and Brandon being the one who you said, and I don't know, maybe he was trying what you just said makes perfect sense. Maybe what, if Kevin Tenney, I'm going to give him a little bit of slack here. Maybe if what he was trying to say was when these Ouija boards became popular, that it wasn't just like freaky deaky Satanists. Like it was actually like semi accepted by Christian people. Like it was an it was an outlet. I, that's me stretching it for him. Yeah. What's really stretching it is that these young people could afford the apartment that they live in. Holy God, it's gorgeous. It's, I looked it up. It's a mansion in uh in los angeles it's called the higgins i'm sorry the higgins verbeck hirsch i think i've got that right um gorgeous and i'm like first of all when we're watching this i'm like do they live in the whole fucking house that's what i was very confused about because like midway through i was like this is a really nice place for her her who doesn't seem to work and he works like rough construction and like the (laughs) worst job sites i've ever seen like the so and, and Nancy, who actually watched this one, like she was familiar with this movie, so she actually watched it with me. Um, but no, she's like, no, they're they're in apartments, and I and then I was like, who the fuck else lives in this building? Like, because the party they're having is like downstairs, right? Is that in someone's apartment, or is there a really nice communal area? Was everyone at that party? Did they live in the apartments? I know that old lady who's in like a bunch of sitcoms and shit. I can't remember her name now. Teeth. Yeah. Yeah. The teeth lady. Yeah. Man, she's got some teeth. Um, Rosemary. That's her name. Uh, like I I got she lived there because Nancy told me she did. Yeah. But these <laughs> neighbors will show up like if, if a pin drops, you've got eight of your neighbors on the other side of your door, like yeah. wondering what's going on. 
But yeah, the, but but yeah, it is a little no weird. No one really shows up. That that's another issue with this movie is they will introduce people that like the detect the lieutenant who's investigating our first murder. He shows up and then disappears until the very end, and he's in it for another like three minutes. Like, yeah, that's these people in the apartment building. Police work is long and arduous. True, yeah, you he's know. probably very busy. <laughs> right. Well, he says he's the only detective for the entire city of Fairfield, yeah. California. <laughs> um, but yeah, actually, that house just went on sale last year for oh. $8.99 Wow. Yeah. Uh, beautiful house. Beautiful setting. We're a little mis like sort of misguided in the beginning when that party that you were just describing is happening because Tawny Katane is very much like, like shuffled up against her ex-boyfriend, yeah. Brandon, who ultimately by the end of the movie, we know is clearly a gay male, but um, like she's very much up against him. And then we see this back and forth between Brandon and Jim, Jim being her current boyfriend. And, there's uh we get a little bit it's not very well explained but we get some tension there yeah. and as we eventually find out Brandon and Jim have grown up together since they were kids and there was a falling out there Brandon used to date Linda Tawny Katane and now Jim dates her yeah. but Jim apparently didn't know that they were dating even though they were practically brothers <laughs> somehow that happened <laughs> But either way, so we get this a little bit of a love triangle here, yeah. which is okay. That's, that's kind of something a little bit that we don't see a lot of in horror. Say love triangle. Like, it's never like Brandon's trying to, like, make a move to get his ex back. He seems way more interested in Jim. That's, Maybe that's the triangle. That's, that's the what triangle I'm saying. Yeah. Right. I don't think he was upset about Jim stealing her away. I think it was upset that, you know, gotcha. Jim was no longer available. Um, so... We get what I do like about this movie, though, is that we get a pretty quick introduction of the Ouija board. So that that happens pretty quickly. And and also complaint. And this is a rules, a rules issue where uh, Brandon's like, you have to, like, balance it on your lap. The more contact, the better. And then when he and Jim are using one later, they just have it on a fucking table. Right. Follow your own rules, Brandon. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, let's go, Brandon. Um, so, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Sorry, I won't, I won't make it political. No, it's right. uh, it's just, oh, it was a good joke. It was a good joke, yeah. They've embraced it. Dark Brandon is here. Dark Brandon's getting shit done. <laughs> but Brandon has very, very meticulous hair, and, and it never moves. Here's the one thing about let's talk about the acting for a second. We, we don't have to. We can break from the story here a little bit because it's about a Ouija board and a girl goes crazy. So let's talk about the acting. Brandon says every word that I, every word that comes out of his mouth is on the verge of tears. And it's like the most just tragic thing that anybody has ever uttered ever. Jim, our, I guess, protagonist, uh, protagonist. He is, I don't think he's good looking enough to be as shitty as he is. Uh, that's true. Yeah. How did that guy, he's got a weak chin. Yeah. How do you end kinda, up yeah. His contained? ears kind of stick out. Yeah. It's just, it, he's not as cool as, as he's projected to be, but. He's a, a schmuck. Yeah. Kind of a schmuck. The director liked him because he reminded him of him. So. Oh boy. There you go. 
what's really interesting is that there's this character of Lloyd. Lloyd is played by the person that actually knew the director and worked at a construction site with he and his brother, who I'm convinced this movie is just basically Kevin Tenney trying to like reconcile with his brother. But Lloyd, not much of an actor. Okay, that's fine. But what's really interesting about him is that you can take any sentence that you would utter as a human, (laughs) and he is going to put the stress on whatever word none of us would. Every single line he says is exciting because you've never heard anybody say it like that before. Like, I don't even know. Like, like if, if the line was like, you went to med school. Yeah. We would say, like, as an actor, I would choose, like, incredulous, like, you went to med school? Right. Or, like, you went to med, med school? school? Yeah. But he would be like, you went to med school? <laughs> Like, like kind of like as if like Jim is just standing in front of the building, like not sure if he should go in on his first day. Like every single line he says is so bizarre, but I'm loving every second of it because I'm just waiting to hear what's said next. There's there's another friend like at the beginning. Yeah. What happened to that guy? Nothing. Okay. Absolutely nothing. Throwaway character. (laughs) Lloyd meets a, an abrupt end. Oh God. At the, if there is such a thing, business end of a pile of sheetrock. Yeah. Drywall for those of you who are outside of the business. Um, Yeah, this death is super weird because, A, oddly enough, uh, um, uh, Jim, right? Yeah. Mentions, I lost my hammer. And then all of a sudden, this fucking hatchet, like... (laughs) sails in front of his face into like one of the you know studs he's standing next to great reaction by him the <gasps> yeah uh, really funny face um and lloyd yeah he's like you can use mine i'm like hammer and apparently that's their hammer is the fucking tomahawk yes <laughs> <laughs> because then right. later jim has a hammer that is has a very sharp blade on it it's very yes. weird it is a little hatchet that they just Casually refer to as hammers and yes. use to hammer in nails. I think your use of the word tomahawk is absolutely appropriate. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly yeah. what it looks like. Um, so, yeah, that's weird. Then it's like we get this set up because this is like the first time uh, Linda's talking to David, right? Uh, and he tells her where her ring is. So we're, we're building trust with the ghost. Yeah. Meanwhile, shit's going down. So, yeah, Jim and Lloyd having a break. The, our camera pans up, and there is just, like, a, a bunch of sheetrock above them. And then Jim's tomahawk is laying on top of that. So, as the audience member, you're like, okay, something's up. Maybe some uh, spiritual manipulation going on here. Uh, and someone's going to die to this tomahawk. And then all of a sudden... Lloyd is crushed by the sheetrock. We learn later it's because, as the police have determined, it definitely was cut by Jim's missing. Yeah, that's the other thing. The fucking his his hammer goes missing after the accident. Yet they are able to determine that his hatchet is definitely the thing that cut the rope that dropped the sheetrock and crushed the Lloyd. And- <laughs> 
you know. Uh, I like to think that the evil spirit wanted to use the tomahawk, but that he was beat to the punch by just a haphazard pile of sheetrock <laughs> right. that just, just happened to crush yeah, Lloyd. Judging the safety standards I see at that job site just regularly in the movie, yeah. I don't doubt someone just did not secure that right. Get over But it, it also doesn't fall like, like it just like falls straight down. Straight down. <laughs> Look, so get over, if you're going to watch this movie, get over the fact that spirits can't hold things. Just get that out but of your mind. Can't. That's the other thing. There are other moments where it kills someone like with an axe. Right. But that's what Longer I'm saying. away from the board that it's tied to. Right. So it should be weaker at that point. Yeah. But, but apparently spirits can grip things and drop things and suspend things over a space and then choose to drop them straight down. Yeah. Like, yeah. why would you want to be a human if you had those kinds of powers? Right. Yeah. What's, what's the desire to get back? If you're a killer, killer ghost and can already kill people without raising suspect that you're the person doing it. Why would you get into a physical body that can leave behind physical evidence? Oh, that's a great point. This is stupid. This ghost is a stupid idiot. Oh, that's, that's, well, that's, that's a great point. Because his plan is to possess Tawny Contain and continue his murderous spree because he killed like 12 people with an axe when he was alive. Maybe but he's. You could, you could kill people as a ghost. Maybe he's like, look, nobody is going to believe that there is a Portuguese ghost. Our our ghost is Portuguese. He is. He is. <laughs> and, uh, which is kind of cool um, that his name. I mean, Mal- there's no- nothing ever happens in this movie where you're like, yep, he's Portuguese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've seen this before in Mystic Pizza. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. A movie that a lot of people don't realize is about Portuguese people. Um, but yeah. So. So. Yeah. It's a it's. It's a little loose in its rules, but where it really tightens the reins is this bromance between Jim and Brandon to the point that when Linda, Tawny Katane, is unconscious, that Jim, her boyfriend, rather than saying to himself, like, I want to be here when she wakes up, I want my face to be the first thing that she sees. He knows that Brandon's going to Big Bear, California. Right. And he's like, you know, she's asleep. <laughs> she's unconscious. Yeah, what, what the fuck am I going to do? I'm going to go to Big Bear with you. So they travel to Big Bear. Is, is that a city? Is that an, that's an actual place, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So they go on this little road trip to Big Bear. Um, and they find out because they're going to find out who David is. Yeah, Meanwhile, they want to find. Yeah. Because um, uh, uh, Brandon, I'm really sorry. These names are like even just you're doing typing, great typing up the synopsis. I was like, oh, her name was Linda. <laughs> right. Um, well, I don't even remember what I was going to say. They were, what are we talking about? Well, when they go to Big Bear. Yeah. yeah. Linda's unconscious. Yeah. They decide to go up to Big Bear because That's they have to find say. out about David. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because. Oh, yeah. Because he's determined. Brandon has determined that Linda is in the process of being possessed by those classic, classic red flags 
She's swearing a little bit. Yeah, that's let's no. We're I'm gonna stop you right there. We're gonna take a moment with this that it is immediately noticed by Jim when Tawny Katane starts swearing. Yeah, and for the rest of us watching it, I like watching her swear. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it's fine. But apparently, she's never said uh, any bit of profanity in her life. Yeah. Now, not when, really something that's set up very well. No. <laughs> and now, when Brandon is is sort of interrogating Jim, when he when Brandon knows that something's going on with Linda, or yeah. he suspects it, and he goes to Jim, who is is still not believing in anything. He has nothing to do with ghosts or Ouija boards or whatever. And when he confronts him with that. And he mentions, like, his, has her behavior been erratic? She's been swearing a lot. You're right. So, okay. Did, like, David swear to you, like, the 10-year-old ghost? Like, do ghosts just swear? Or is it just when they get into a human body that they're like, fuck yeah? Yeah, I think it's the progressive, what was it? Progressive entrapment. Progressive entrapment. Right. But the thing is, is like, what is it about like the thoughts that you have as your ghost self when you get into a human body that you would suddenly just like need to swear? <laughs> right. Yeah. Ah, like, like stretching your legs and motherfuck shit. Cock ass. Yeah. Like when you're like a third grader and you're just like on the playground at recess, like with your friends off in the corner, right. like, like, fuck <laughs> shit. <laughs> Just because you can. Right, yeah. Right? <laughs> Don't tell. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Make a fist. If you open it, you're gay. Um, <laughs> right. So, <laughs> Jazz hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boy, that's, that is the best coming out that you could ever do. Oh, my God. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah, we get this little trip up to Big Bear. And then a whole bunch of shit comes together in like 10 seconds. The segment doesn't last 10 segments or 10 seconds, but the, the realization that this Malfador, this uh, Portuguese uh, serial killer lives in the house that they live in, that they have their apartment in that all just comes haphazardly. Right. But yeah, he like stump like you're right. Cause he's in like an occult bookstore. Uh, and a big uh, bear's known for him and the <laughs> a woman hotter than Tawny contain. Right. Yeah. <laughs> shows, it's just yeah. like points it out. Like, Oh yeah, this guy. Yeah. He killed like 12 people. He lived in this house. Okay. Bye. I'm done. Yeah. Right. And, but I will tell you though, like there is, if we want to talk about the gore in this movie, I already have to pee again, but I'm going to hang on. Jeez. If we want to talk about the gore in this movie, it's interesting. This movie is not known for being overly gory. Are, is that our levels? Yeah, they're fine. They're okay. Fine. So the gore isn't like excessive in this movie. There, There's no cannibalism. There's no gut chomping. There's no intestines. There's no anything like that. But when somebody gets it, they really do get it. When Brandon dies in Big Bear, yeah, which at least it was in a place that he always wanted to go to. Um, when he gets it, we see a hatchet. It is the hatchet again, isn't is it? it? The hatchet. It's I don't know. A it's hatchet. a hatchet that has not been established in that scene at all. It no, comes out of fucking nowhere. After they've already had 
six barrels dropped on them. It's like Jaws 4 where the hatchet has traveled all the way down to like Trinidad or wherever the fuck they are. So the hatchet is there. It hits Brandon in the forehead. Now, as many of you would guess, the the actual laceration extended all the way down through his face. Well, yeah, he doesn't when the when you see him later, he doesn't even have a cut on his forehead. No. It's just his cheek. It's just his lower face. It's kind of like a uh yeah, it's like uh what do they call that? Like a uh, like a reflective pain, like when <laughs> yes. like yeah, like um like a radiating pain. Um but we do finally see Jim cry. That's been a big deal in this whole yeah. movie that Jim is emotionally unavailable. He actually Kind of pulled it off. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. Yeah. It's okay. For as stiff as I feel he'd been through the whole movie, you're like, oh. Right. Okay. Okay. Now, I'm going to finish this this second and final piss. I want you to enter. Are you really going to pee again? Yes. Oh, my God. I knew it at the end of the first one that it wasn't enough. (laughs) I want you to get your process. I want you to introduce the best part of this movie. Well, what is that? You can't. What do you. What's the best part? Zarabeth. Oh, okay, yeah. The the psychic. Zarabeth, is that her name? Okay. So, yeah, they uh, determine they need to uh, get a psychic. Uh, and so they call uh, Zarabeth, who's played by Kathleen Wilhoit, I believe is how you say her last name. Uh, breath of fresh air in this movie. Absolutely, like, the best um, character uh, in this movie, very interesting. I think she had already been in Murphy's Law with Charles Bronson. Like she, it was like her first movie, and she got the lead. So this really felt like one of those, um, like maybe she was a get that they got. Like, oh, maybe this person has a future. She's already like been a lead. We can get her for this cool little supporting role. Great supporting role. Um, yeah, uh, but she like has a chat with the ghost. And then goes home and the ghost kills her. I lo- a great chase. I love a you know slamming doors in the face of a ghost. <laughs> it's a good nothing point. keeps a ghost out more than a door. That's a great point. Yeah. But if you've ever seen There's Mal- even one part where she's like waiting. Like, yeah. It's, it, it, pretty good POV of the ghost. Some some interesting like uh fisheye. Yeah, fisheye loose camera. Yeah. What would we call that? Floating camera, whatever. Yeah, it's kind of like it's not like uh, like centrifugal. Like it's it it's just it's more like things are like it's like it's got the the edges of the frame are like pulling you inward, right? It's, so it's kind of the opposite. Yeah, of it's also like a hum that comes in. Yeah, I, I guess this is like the ghost vision. Yes, yes, yeah. But if he is, if it's he's actually a mount or definitely on a crane that you can just tell where it's pivoting, like there's some shots in this movie. But I'm telling you, if she is seeing Malfador, he's terrifying, dude. Like he's oh, he's yeah. creepy as fuck. Yeah. But um, here's the thing about Zarabeth. Um, at the time that this movie came out, my sister and I were still having babysitters and it was the mid eighties. And I remember like we had this one babysitter that wasn't like super new wave, but she was older and she had like short hair. She would wear like big, like colored earrings and stuff. And that sort of like big shirt, like cinched in the middle with the belt. And so she wasn't punk, but I mean, she was cool for us. 
and I, I can even re- like, <laughs> even as a kid, I remember like my sister, like trying to sound like more adult, like when she talked to her, like trying to be cool or whatever, <laughs> sure. but we both did that. You right. know, we, we thought she was really cool. So here we see this, this uh, character of Zarabeth who it sort of entranced us in the same way. Like she had, she was a new wave girl. Like she had this like, up hair and it was colored and these sunglasses and this crazy outfit. And she's, as we were talking about earlier, she's chomping gum. And until I watched this movie a second time, I didn't realize what a connection chomping gum sounds has to my central nervous system. Like I ASMR trigger. Oh, (laughs) she started doing it. And like her jewelry was kind of clunking around a little bit while she's chomping the gum. And I am, my spine is turning into jelly. Wow, It was amazing. And, um, and I just loved it. And it's not to say, it's not even like a sexual thing. It's not like she's that gorgeous of a person, but there was something about her that I just, I was just so, um, I don't know, titillated by, I suppose. Um, but she's fun yeah. and there should be way fucking more of her in this movie. Yeah. I don't even know what else is happening other than Zarabeth, but whatever that was should be out and she should be in. Yeah. Very, very fun to watch. It's like the opposite of what happens to everyone else in this movie where they show up at the beginning and the end. She shows up in the middle. That's it. Right. Right. Time. But what's cool is, and it's also like, it's funny because like the movie can't get away from her. Like we have to watch her whole ride home and then her getting home. Like, and then she dies at home. Yes. But it's, it's never just like a cut in between things. I will say this. Speaking of that. Yeah. Uh, like I mentioned, I fell asleep watching this. <laughs> uh, so I started it again and just fast forwarding through the beginning. I know he's a first time director, but Oh my God. I mean, I, I noticed it while I was watching it, but especially in fast forward, like it really jumps out how long some of like his takes are and the camera never moves. There's that scene in the kitchen with the two friends. And then during the party, Holy shit, that camera sits there for like five minutes and doesn't move at all. Doesn't zoom, doesn't pan, doesn't nothing. And normally we're like praising like like it was all one take, but not <laughs> right. but not these scenes, yeah, no. you know, scenes where things are happening and it's amazing that they caught it all in one take and that everybody was in sync. Right. That's to be praised. Right. Not this. No. Um, I will say, though, like I do love a good kitchen party, like at a party, yeah, hanging out you know. Yeah. yeah. But but uh, I will say this, though. That's what's something that the the thing that's neat about Zarabeth is that, and this could only be done in horror, is that because of the peril that people go through in horror movies, you can see their sort of exteriors be stripped away. So, like, let's say you have a horror movie and you have, like, a real tough guy, and then that tough guy gets killed, and you see him screaming, and you see him, like, pleading for his life or whatever, like, the the terror in his eyes, this is assuming that we have a good actor, (laughs) and, like, that's what's neat to see is that, like, hey, this guy was the tough guy, and now he's... He's scared. He's yeah. vulnerable. Same thing with Zarabeth. Like, this is a person that is comfortable with the spirit world, a person that's accustomed to it. And she's unique and she's different and she's sort of intimidating in her own sort of cool, eclectic way. But when she's getting hunted down 
by Malfador in her apartment. And even when she's like literally pushed out of the window and is impaled by whatever the fuck is in her sundial. sundial, Okay. There is a look on her face that is like really human. Like she's suffering. Of course, she just got impaled by a sundial. But I mean, it's not just like, uh, like I roll my eyes and then I close them. Like she's, she's feeling pain. And that's, that's something that I don't think you get from other genres of films. Usually, you know, maybe somebody has like an arc of they, you know, discover how to be a good person. But that's not the same as being like, I'm being faced with the fact that I'm about to land on a sundial. Right. And now it's in me and I'm dying. Right. That strips you down to your core as a human. There's no like pretending to be cool when you're impaled by an archaic time telling device. (laughs) Right. You can't keep your cool. So that I think is very, very neat. Um, And uh, there's a cricket in here. Oh, there's is there really? Okay. Well, better than a spider, I suppose. Is the spider yeah. still underneath that can? Yeah, the can is still. Oh there. my god, that's I awesome! A spider in two weeks ago. <laughs> that's amazing. I'll never move that can again. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> um, so as this movie progresses, we do get to see a little bit more of Tawny Katane being able to um, grow a little bit. She's. In the first half of the movie, she's tasked with just being the, like, girlfriend who's trapped in a relationship that's not as emotionally fulfilling as she would hope that it would be. Now, in the second half of the movie, we're seeing her met with peril. Like, we're seeing her having a dream sequence where Malfader, which is really kind of terrifying. Oh, yeah. Where he chops Chops her her head head off. And it's and and it was really kind of a, a rough scene to do because all they did was have a stunt person duck their head down with like a fake head on top of them and a real axe being swung at oh the at the neck. Thankfully, nobody died. But I mean, Malf- when you get a real good look and it's the only good look that we get at Malfader, yeah. he's creepy as fuck. Yeah, he's very creepy. He looks it was like like the. Uh, on my Apple TV, like it was like the picture, and I was like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" And yeah. After I woke up, and I was just like, "Who is this guy in the movie?" Right. Because you, yeah, you see him barely any. I'm like, why would they use him for the picture? Yeah. Because he looks scary. Yes, and he's creepy as hell. Um, he's like the most. What do they call that? The most fascinating man in the world, or whatever. Oh, the most interesting. Man yeah, alive. the most interesting man alive. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> like that. Um. Uh, slash Zoltar. But um, yeah, so that's creepy. Now is when we start to see Tawny really like showing what I feel like is, is some decent acting chops. Yeah. As she becomes possessed, this is where there was a really good choice made in this film because we've seen Tawny contained in a pork pie hat. Yes. (laughs) And a suit jacket and tie. Oh yeah. Good luck. It is a great look. The only other person that figured that out was what's her name from the Woody Allen movies. Oh, yeah. Um, Diane Keaton. Diane Keaton. Thank you. So, um, yeah, we see her get possessed. This is so much better than fucking One Dark Night where we see a doll, like, just, like, glow. Like, (laughs) obviously, it's not doing any facial expression. It's a doll um, and with some light behind it or whatever. Wait, what's One Dark Night? That was with um, the mausoleum. Oh, 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 yeah. Okay. And uh, so, um, 
so Tawny Katane, rather than seeing Malfador as his... Yeah, that guy was kind of a Malfador. He got a little bit. Yeah, yeah a little bit. Um, his name started with a Z. I can't remember. Yeah. Any any fans who remember that that uh, that bad guy? That uh, what was he? he was called like a uh, oh, what's the word for it? He was kind of not eccentric. He was a he was a something. Yeah, he sure was. He was played by a doll. <laughs> this movie, however, decides to rather than have the Malfate or creepy as he is. Let's show Tawny Katane possessed by him. Not him, but let's show Tawny possessed by him. And this is the best acting that she does in this entire movie. She is flawless. She is so good um, that it is, I mean, because she's toying with him, she's possessed, she's mean, she's menacing. She's at times like pretending to be nice and then being evil. And she's got that outfit on. And she is great. She yeah. is so good. Um, Does she kill the cop? She, what happens to the lieutenant? She accosts the cop. Okay. I don't know if he actually dies. I hope that the cop lives long enough to know that Jim is not the killer. Because right. that's what he's suspected the oh, whole time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like to think that he sees that, like, oh, no, like, Linda is fucking crazy like whether it's she's possessed or not if he knows that but he knows at least it's not jim but there's this nice believable and that's the thing and i don't mean to be shitty about that like oh how could a woman overpower a man but i mean when you're watching this movie you're like yeah she's possessed and she's kicking his ass (laughs) and you believe it um there is a apparently hollywood cannot get a believable fall out of a window. <laughs> Dude, I loved that shot. I mean, it was cool. It was awesome. It was cool, but it always looks a little weird. Well, yeah, because it is. It's stylized. Yeah. Yeah, because Jim falls out of the window, and it is like, I don't even know how to describe I mean, It's almost like the fall in The Omen. Yeah. When she falls from the banister, and it's, you know... I'm sure they, you know, he's like laying on something and they're it's slowly, yeah, they're slowly lowering it down. Yeah. As the camera comes down with him. So he has, you know, he stays the same. Yeah. He's literally sitting on a crane. Okay. As it's, as it's like bending back down and he couldn't really flail his arms because no, it would show the crane. Weird stiff. So like, he's like got to just move his shoulders like to show so like funny. the undulating. But it looks really cool. It is kind of neat. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, what ultimately kills this thing for all the talk of Big Bear and 10-year-olds and whatever the fuck. Just shoot the board. That's all you got to do. Shoot Welcome it with a gun. America. Gun will solve your problem. Yeah. Shoot the ghost board. Yeah. The witch board. Shoots it right in the middle. I don't know if that's important or not. I mean, it looks looks like it from the way the camera frames it. Well, it's going to limit your vocabulary. That's I mean, true. Yeah, using it beyond that. <laughs> but but um, that's where we get. Now, it's I a... I the answer is not Gilmore Girls. <laughs> Right. Yes. Um, to the question you asked the Ouija board. That's the because you shoot. Yeah. The what's G, what's like a show I've never seen? Um, uh, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but actually, I think um, Kathleen Wilhoit 
was on Gilmore Girls. Are you serious? Yeah. She did a lot of TV. Okay, good she for her. She was on ER. She did some CSI. Really? Yeah. She's great. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. That's excellent. Character actors rule. So the the witch board is shot, but we get a nice little zinger at the end. Dude, this... Hey, all right. Also, this ending is bonkers. The uh, timeline of it... Because, yeah, we have our possession, our final fight possession. Jim falls out the window. Uh, she snaps out. I don't. I'm kind of unclear on on how that whole scene is resolved. Uh, but like we go from like the resolution of the fight into their wedding, uh, Jim and Linda's wedding. Well, we hear organ music, so we think it's a funeral. Oh, good point. Well, I didn't, but yeah, I, I get that's probably what they were trying to do. Um, uh, mainly because I had woken up to this part <laughs> right. and I knew it was a wedding hilariously like we get this very slow pan across like everyone in the wedding like down the aisle and then as the camera turns it's like I now pronounce you man and wife I'm like we're, we're, was everyone sitting there just in silence in the middle of the ceremony like there's no like you don't hear the ceremony going on you know again probably because they were trying to make it seem like it was a funeral that I missed that totally, um, but yeah. So we 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 cut from the fight and the resolution to the wedding, and then cut back to the apartment, which is still like fucking trashed. Yes, and I'm like, when 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 is this wedding taking place? Oh yeah, have they not? It's not like they were engaged. No, you're. It's right? a great point. Yeah, because like, have they just been. They just leave that apartment there. They were like, sorry. Yeah, he falls. He goes, gets a neck brace. Yeah, he gets they get married that afternoon. Brace. You know, like, like literally, like, let's just go ahead. Like, you got yeah, your neck brace. There. They're, they have like, oh, that's so fucked up. People there. Yeah, that you're right. But then it cuts back and our poor old Rosemary is like cleaning up their apartment. Yeah. With her weird, super tall, skinny granddaughter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Some killer eyebrows, but looks a little odd. Yeah, a little. Yeah, the teeth thing is she's got to grow into it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then yeah, then the stinger of they find the the witch board. She's like, I wonder if this thing still works, and chucks it into the trash. And as it zooms in on the yes, the planchette moves yes. by itself. Could it always do that? I don't know. Yeah, I would assume that's how it works. <laughs> I want to bring uh, up yeah the the whole the timeline of the wedding thing I was just like uh, when, that, when you know that I happen? didn't even think about that but that is bizarre that now that you say that that's very strange another thing that's very strange is that there is a hotel featured in Big Bear I know I keep referencing <laughs> Big Bear but it's just like you this little Big Bear this little yeah I do it's this little fantasy segment in the middle of this movie like a little just like let's just take a road trip to Big Bear. <laughs> there's the wishing well motel. Now, when you see the sign for the wishing well motel, it lists its name uh-huh. underneath that. It cites its amenities. Okay. Oh man. I didn't notice. It reads the wishing well motel underneath that phones. <like, <laughs> ah, like, like 80s. you, you want to, you want to make a call. We got you got you. somebody. 
you want to talk to? <laughs> Come stay here. Talk to them. We got phones. Got phones. Yeah. Call your yeah. call your witchboard. Yeah. Use what was the last? What was the last time you board. called your mother? <laughs> you get in here, you make a phone call. We got phones. So wishing well, Big Bear. TVs. Yeah. Fuck TVs. Call your mother. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, silly. And maybe that's that's the word to to just uh, attach to this movie altogether. Look, here's the thing. They're not trying to be silly. This movie is trying very, very hard to be witchboard, the serious movie that we've all been looking for. Right. Um, but and and I think that's its charm. Does it have some pacing issues in the middle? Sure. Is it weird that a guy leaves his unconscious girlfriend just laying in the hospital <laughs> while he takes a trip to Big Bear? Absolutely. But and and does it follow any of its own rules? And it, literally, the thing that you said about the spirit having more mobility and power than inhabiting a human host right ruins the whole thing for me it really does i mean yeah! it, it really does love ruining movies for but, people but is it a little bit of fun along the way yeah, yeah it is it's it's not like it's not like the best night you've had at the bar but like somebody said that funny thing those like couple two three times <laughs> right yeah you know it was it was a it was an okay night yeah yeah we had fun do you recommend it I do it, I do I I really do because I think that it is a nice if nothing else if nothing else at all a really fun time capsule enough interest to just at least be like I wonder what's going to happen next silly as it may be yeah. Um, or apparently in your condition, if you want to take a nice nap, it was nice. <laughs> right. No, I do. Like, I, it put me out. Nancy said she came in and was talking to me and then was like, oh, he's asleep. I'm like, I do, I do not remember you coming in. <laughs> now I'd woken up a few times during the movie. So I was obviously in and out, but yeah, at some point. Right. I was out, out for good. Dreaming of. Oh, entrapment! Your 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 progressive entrapment. Um, no, but that's you like Bernie Sanders, right? <laughs> he got me. Yes. So, how does he relate to progressive entrapment? Well, he's a progressive. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. And he's snared me in with his equal pay. <laughs> yes. Tomfoolery and his caterwauling about unions and whatever the fuck else. <laughs> yeah well you know i mean Income let's come in equality yeah, yeah i mean love him or hate him it's it's not gonna be around for much longer i mean it's but <laughs> he's getting up there united states oh yeah oh, bernie sanders right? yeah right <laughs> but which board lives on and yes i do recommend it i and, and look i i don't know i'm not it's not gonna break my heart Maybe I'll be surprised. It, depending on your definition of recommend, which we've talked about before, do you recommend this movie? No. Okay. No. I'm okay. I mean, I, kinda, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be like avoid this movie. Right. Uh, if let me ask you this: If somebody said, "I want to watch," and there are other choices, sure. But if somebody said, "Like I want to have a marathon," 
uh-huh. of like silly eighties movies. Okay. Would you be okay with how, this? How long is their marathon? It's a weekend. Oh, are they nonstop watching movies? Pretty much, pretty much. Like, yeah, pretty much. So would I put this in like the top twelve of fun eighties movies to watch? Probably not. I mean, yeah. I, I, are you trying to paint like a very specific? I'm trying to find. <laughs> I'm trying to but find. This goes back to the experiments, like you can't or experiments. Just, yeah. You, um. Fuck you. You can't just. <laughs> Try and find the results you want. Right. They have to come to you. So, no, I would say, no, don't watch this movie. Okay. Is anybody going to be done any harm by watching this film? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Is anybody going to be done any harm by watching this movie? Oh, no. Okay. That's not why I don't recommend a movie. <laughs> it's going to hurt you. <laughs> I wish this movie could hurt you because it would be a little more interesting then. That's fair. I mean, look, I I remember loving it as a kid. I when I watched it again, I I wasn't as enthused as I was at that time. Yeah. Um. So I'll give you that. And it's it's far from perfect. And if I was going to recommend a horror movie from the eighties that was going to be really fun and ridiculous and exciting, yeah, you're right. There's a whole nother fucking yeah. list that I would give for it's sure. A soft, not recommend for. Me. Yeah. Okay. Like, it's it's a, not a. But it's even a soft recommend from <laughs> That's me. That's fair. That's right. fair. We'll meet in the soft middle. <laughs> At a hotel in <laughs> <Yeah>. Big Bear. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. So that was Witchboard <laughs> from 1986. I was bored. <laughs> Man, anyway. Uh, join us next week. It's our... Last episode before our new mini series of Stephen King movies, our second Stephen King mini series. Yes, whatever. Maybe we'll do it every October. We haven't decided. King anyway. Consort. Yeah, <laughs> we're just gonna be doing. What's the Sleepwalkers? What's another really bad Stephen King movie? The, the Sleepwalkers yeah, would be. Yeah, really yeah, the you kind of hit the nail on the head. Yeah. There. yeah. <sighs> okay. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Join us next week when we, uh, from 2014, we're going to do It Follows. A real, but people love that movie. I've got some issues with it, but I liked it. I can't wait to watch it again. I got a lot of, like, nitpicks for that movie, but generally I like the movie. Okay, I'll take a lot that. Of, I got a lot of rules issues with that movie. Ooh, okay, okay. Well, like two or three, I can think of specifically. Okay. Don't want to get, we'll talk about it next week. Oh, sure. Okay, anyway. Rate it, review us on uh, Apple, Spotify, all that shit where you get your uh, podcast that helps uh, us out. Um, check out our website, slumberpodcastmassacre.com. Shoot us an email, slumberpodcast at gmail.com. Check out uh, you know, our YouTube page, the Twitch stream that I don't do anything on. I just got a game called Cults of the Lamb. I might do that because I, was, I did play uh, Dead Space, which is... I even put it on easy, and it's just one of those. I just kept running out of ammo. Like the things you shoot at are aliens, and then they break apart into other aliens. You just have to keep shooting like one fucking alien, like through four stages. And I'm just like, I'm out of ammo. Like this game isn't even fun. But I found like a cool little, like, it's like a culty Animal Crossing game. <laughs> it could be fun. Who knows? I don't know. If I ever fucking do anything on that. I wish it was group. called Cult a la Lamb. Like, that sounds <laughs> more appetizing. Yeah. Très bien. 
Uh, and um, yeah, a uh, huge thanks to our patrons. You help make the show possible. Uh, please check out the link in the description for uh, tickets to our live show that we'll be doing as part of the closing night ceremonies of Chicago Street Theater's production of Misery. We will be covering Misery, the movie, not the play. But then you get a ticket to see the play. Mm. $50 for the entire night. You get uh, food, cash bar, live podcast, live play. Use promo code SLUMBER at checkout. Save 10%. What a fucking deal. Tim, do you got anything else to say about Witchboard? I do. And it's going to shock you. It's going to shock you. It's actually, well, first of all, it's going to shock you that it's about Witchboard. Okay. And it's going to be quick. I can't believe that we didn't even say it until now. TTFN. TTFN.